1: It's the thousand year reign of Christ and it is on the discussion table today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us. The millennium, the thousand-year reign, the reign of Christ, the binding of Satan. What does it mean when we hit Revelation chapter 20? How are we to understand and view this millennium reign? We spend time today looking once again at this passage of Scripture. We invite you to spend time with us as we explore Revelation together and a clearer understanding of this millennium reign. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Colossians chapter
0: 3, verse 1. And if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Where is Christ? He is God's right hand man. He is seated at God's right hand and you, my friends, are seated with Him. And in Revelation 5.10, it says, You have made them, past tense, to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Thrones, it says. I saw thrones and those who sat upon them. Thrones, obviously, in the book of Revelation, and we've talked about this before and and elsewhere besides Revelation, are symbols of rule, symbols of authority, symbols of reign. And they stand for the Christian's dominion over himself and over this world. So to say that we reign with Christ and in Christ is to say that we have rule and authority, first of all, over ourselves. We are able to practice self-discipline. We're able to practice self-control. We have the ability to have authority, rule, and reign over the passions and desires of our hearts. Also, secondarily, in Christ we are able to exert a dominion influence a ruling influence upon everyone and everything who comes in contact with us and upon every aspect of our lives. So to say that these saints reign with Christ and are sitting on thrones is to have reference to the church's life on earth. It's not talking about heaven here, my friends. It's talking about ruling with Christ on earth. To rule here and now. The ability to rule over ourselves and whatever else. God gives us the authority to rule over. And the reason we can now reign over ourselves. And over this life is because Satan is bound. 1 John 4.4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Can't be more clear than that. And how long does this reign of the saints last? For the entire millennium. Even during the time of the release of Satan for a little while. The saints reign for a thousand years. That's how long that period of time is in which Christians will have authority to govern themselves and to govern life. And other relationships, according to the Word of God, how long is that period of time? Well, it's already been two thousand years in the making, and it will be however many years there are until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. But the saints will always reign there will be there will never be anything that will happen on earth, nothing. Not even the release of Satan that will keep the saints, the faithful people of God, those whom God has separated from this evil world, from governing themselves, practicing self-discipline, and carrying out the dominion mandate. The only thing that prevents us is our own timidness, our own fear, our own lack of going out and doing what God has called us to do. Now, notice something else about this reign. It says in verse 6 that they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So these saints, those who are separated from his evil world by God for his purposes, will reign as priests. Now, that's another important theme in the book of Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 1 verses 5 and 6. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. Revelation 5, 9, and 10. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal Priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So, over and over in the New Testament and the book of Revelation, we have this emphasis that we reign as kings and queens who are also priests. We are a kingdom of priests. It is from that idea in the Bible that Martin Luther got the great doctrine. That was one of the major themes of the revelation, of the Reformation. The priesthood of all believers. That all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ not only have authority and power to rule over themselves and their families and whatever else God gives them influence over, but they also have authority as priests. That is to dedicate every area of life to God. And to intercede on behalf of the world and on behalf of the church. And to speak God's word effectively in this world. We're not human priests like in the Old Testament. We are all a kingdom of priests. Ourselves here and now. Now let me talk about the verbs in verses 4 through 6. These are actually clear in English, but they're even clearer in the Greek. The major verbs in four through six are aorist tense. That is a kind of past tense. And the fact that these verbs are in that tense shows that they all took place at the same time. And we'll see why that's important in a minute. I saw thrones. And they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark upon their foreheads and upon their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. All of these verbs that I emphasized are in the same tense, and the point is... That at the same time that the priest, the same time the believers are sitting on thrones and reigning with Christ, is exactly the same period that they are not worshiping the beast. Where was the beast? The beast was on the earth. So this has nothing to do with heaven. Let me say it another way it was while the saints were reigning that they were refusing to worship the beast. Now, why do I say that? I say that because there are people who believe that the 20th chapter of Revelation is about heaven. That it is about going to heaven where you are free of all of your problems. The problem with that is, that is not the indication of these verbs. The same time these saints were reigning, they were doing battle with the beasts. And they were involved in warfare at the same time they were sitting on the thrones. And the same time judgment was given to them. And it was the same time they were a kingdom of priests for a thousand years. That same period was a time of warfare with the beast. And they were resisting temptation to give in to the beast and to the mark, to bear the mark of that beast. So this is talking about something that is taking place on earth, not in heaven. Every believer is seated on on a throne. Every Christian is a king or a queen. Every Christian is a priest. And every Christian now is doing battle with these beasts. Who specifically are those enthroned according to verse 4? Then I saw thrones and they sat on them. And judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus. And because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image. And had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand. Those are the ones who are enthroned. Now the word souls has confused some into thinking. That this verse is talking about heaven. They say all of these people involved in the millennium have died. Those people believed, and now they are disembodied souls. And now they are experiencing all of these things as bodiless souls in the presence of Christ. Here is why this does not mean what they say. And I'm actually sorry that they translated it as souls in the New American Standard Bible. The word soul is translated many ways in scriptures, and sometimes it is translated persons. God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and man became a living soul or a living person. It doesn't say he became a body with a soul. It says man became a living soul or man became a living person. But in John, whenever he uses the word Translated soul in Revelation 20 in the New American Standard Bible, it means life. It can mean soul. It can mean spirit. It can mean person. But when John used the word, it meant life. Let me show you something. Turn to John chapter 10. It certainly doesn't mean soul there. It doesn't mean person or a disembodied soul. It means life. John ten eleven. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There is the same word life that is interpreted as soul, in the New American Standard Bible, verse fifteen. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life. Same word for the sheep. Look at John 15, look at John twelve twenty five. He who loves his life, translated other places, soul, loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Chapter 13, verses 37 and 38. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me, etc., etc.? So when John uses the word translated soul, he means life. So let's go back to Revelation 20 and read it like that. Verse 4 of Revelation 20. And I saw thrones... And they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the lives of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark upon their foreheads and upon their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, what is the point? The point is that though this 1,000-year period that's already 2,000 years long, and who knows how many more years there are to go, there are periods of persecution that take place, and have taken place and will take place under the two beasts we have already talked about. The beast from the sea, which is anti-Christian tyrannical civil governments like Rome, and the beast from the land, which is apostate religions and churches like apostate Israel. These beasts will bring periods of persecution and there will be martyrs and there will be struggles and there will be resistance to all of their efforts. And what is the goal of these two beasts? The goal of these two beasts is to crush Christianity and to cause Christians to apostatize, to turn from the faith. Marcellus Kick said, Yet the martyrs and sufferers never saw their kingship more strongly than when confronted with the axe, the lion's den, and the torch. They could not be destroyed. And Kik is saying here, during this thousand-year period in which there was the struggle with the beast, and there were many who were beheaded and martyred, but they didn't remove them off their thrones. They still reigned, beloved, in their death as martyrs. Now notice the things that are characteristic of those who sit on the thrones. They are persecuted for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God. They do not worship the beast or his image, and they have not received the mark of the beast. So my question to you is, does that describe you? They are persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. They do not worship the beast nor give themselves unquestionably to the authority of tyranny. And they have not received the mark of the beast, which if you remember is put on the hand or the forehead in opposition to the law of God, which is written on the heart of every true believer. These people resist being forced into living by another law and another moral standard than that contained in Holy Scripture alone. Our text says, they sat on thrones and judgment was given to them in verse 4. Now, what is this judgment? Is this at the end of time? I think it's the same thing that is equivalent to the power of the keys of the kingdom that Jesus spoke up in Matthew 16, 19, when he said to his confessing church, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Also in 1 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, Do you not know the saints will judge the world? In other words, the keys of the kingdom are the authority of the word of God. That as we administer and apply the word of God, we have the ability to render true true judgment and administer true, true judgment in all of the moral issues that mankind has to face throughout the history of the world. So these saints reign, they sit on thrones, they have been given the authority to rule and to govern and to administer justice and to use the moral standards of God to determine a person's action and life and behavior as good or as evil, to open the door of the church into the kingdom to those who believe in Christ and to shut the door of the kingdom to those who don't believe in Christ." And that is what it means to say that judgment has been given to the saints during this whole thousand-year period. And you've been told that Christians are not to judge anyone. That is absolutely ludicrous, beloved. But we judge people according to the word of God alone. Now, there's one last point that we need to look at, and it is the most complicated, really, of all. Look at verse 5. What does it mean to say that the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed? This is the first resurrection now. Who are the rest of the dead and when do they come to life? Well, remember that those who are participants in the millennium once were dead, but now they are spiritually alive. They were once spiritually dead and they have undergone the first resurrection. By the power of grace, they have been raised from the dead spiritually to newness of life in Christ. But the rest of the dead spiritually, the rest of those who did not experience the first resurrection, did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. Now, it does appear to say that those who were spiritually raised from the dead were once spiritually dead themselves, and the rest of those who were spiritually dead will come to life at the end of the 1,000-year period. Now, if someone interprets it that way, you're going to have a lot of headaches. There is nothing historical or fundamental or biblical about that point of view. These people say, the reign of Christ is from his incarnation to his second coming, and you participate in these blessings by spiritual resurrection from spiritual life. But those who have not experienced the spiritual resurrection will do so right before the second coming of Christ. No, no, no. Now listen very carefully. This is what I believe it says. By the power of the gospel, the believer has passed from death to life in Christ. He now reigns with Christ awaiting the resurrection of the body. And if you have a King James version there, it it is an again in verse 5. But the rest of the dead did not come alive again, because there's no again there in Greek. Marcellus Kick says, the dead described here never lived. Their souls continued in death. They were dead even in the midst of life. The implication then is not as it may appear. That is, that when the thousand-year period ends, these spiritually dead people will not live. What confuses us is the word, until, unquote. We forget there is more than one meaning of the word, until. And I want to show you how the Bible uses the word, and you'll see that the point is, the rest of the spiritually dead never Come to life. That's the point of verse 6. The rest of the spiritually dead never come to life until the thousand years are completed. Here is how I get that. The conjunction until is used here in the same sense of to that time that. That is the rest of mankind remains in spiritual dead to the end of the thousand years. They had no part in the first resurrection. So until here has the excluding sense in that the dead never come to life. Let me give you two biblical examples. The first is in 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 35. And I'm just trying to show you how the word until can mean to the time that or to the end and Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that after the day of his death, he saw him? No, to say that Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death is to say that Samuel never saw Saul again. In Isaiah twenty-two fourteen, 14, it says, But the Lord of hosts revealed himself to me, saying, Surely this iniquity shall not be forgiven you until you die. Now that should be obvious. He's talking to rebels here. This iniquity shall not be forgiven until you die. But when you die, it will be forgiven you? Really? Is that what it's saying? That unbelievers have their sins forgiven at death? Of course not. It means their sins will never be forgiven. So don't let that word until confuse you. It says, the rest of the spiritually dead who did not experience the first resurrection never lived spiritually. And they will never ever come to spiritual life in the first resurrection ever until the thousand years are ended. In other words, when does the thousand year period end? It ends on Judgment Day. And the point is, they will never experience spiritual life. So, beloved, learn to appreciate the awesome authority and power you have in this world as a believer in Christ and use it. Live in terms of dominion and victory, even in the face of persecution and death. And pity the plight of the impenitent and call them to repentance and to faith in Christ because without that they will never live praise God for eternal life brethren and live as someone whom Christ has set his love upon live like a kingdom of priest live like the victors in Christ that you are not like weak emasculated wimps allowing the world to bully you and kick sand in your faith stand up stand up for jesus the king of kings and the lord of lords ruler of all nations
1: amen